everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the It Ain't It Sis podcast. I'm Sarah, your host, and this week I sat down with the most beautiful soul, Alexa Cucciara. She is a cancer survivor, speaker, artist, entrepreneur, and she wrote a book. And might I add, she's only 22. Now lately, I've been interviewing people who are younger than me, yet so incredibly successful. And it kind of really just fires me up and makes me want to kind of just go after my dreams. And I hope that's kind of what you get out of these episodes as well. So in this episode, me and Alexa just sat down, talked about her journey with cancer and how it really drove her to just find purpose in life. And then we talk a little bit about spirituality and how that helped her during her struggle with cancer. And then, of course, we talked about her book called Power to Persevere. You can get it on Amazon. I just ordered it, and I think I am about 60 pages in or so, and I love it. It is so great. It's kind of interactive, so honestly, order it. Please do it. Write a review. She'll love you, and I'll love you for doing that. But other than that, my personal life has been very boring at the moment. I have yet to start my job still. I went back to Arizona for a week, which was nice. It was very relaxing. But other than that, I'm kind of in full quarantine mode, to be honest. So since I'm pretty boring, I really don't have much of a life update like I mentioned. So I figured enough of me talking. Let's get into the podcast. Hello. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm super excited to chat with you today just about everything you've been through in life, whether it be kind of beating cancer or graduating college recently, which is super exciting to even your book that you recently published. So I'm so excited to talk to you about that today. Thank you. And if you could kind of, I guess, give a little 30-second elevator pitch just about who you are, what you do and all of that jazz. Sure. Um, My name is Alexa. I am New York City, born and raised. I am an artist, a commissioned artist, entrepreneur, designer, um, recent author as well. I just published my first book titled Power to Persevere, Inspiring Stories to Help You Get Through Challenging Moments. And I... Just graduated from uni a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, not even actually. No, yeah, two weeks ago. <laughs> um, for a university, um, I studied business and marketing. And now the world has been my oyster, and I am bound to continue to inspire others. I've been working with some nonprofits on um, sharing my cancer journey and survival journey and um, about to actually start recording my audiobook which will be coming out in September so that's pretty cool too that's super exciting wow and how old are you again I am 22 yeah that's very impressive you know because a lot of other 22 year olds our age you know they're not doing all that so I mean props to you but um, so before you kind of got diagnosed with cancer, where, what were you doing? Like, where was your life trajectory? Where did you think you would be before all that happened? 
So ever since I was a young girl, I've always been interested in art. I used to um, take classes at SVA, the Art Students League, um, Parsons, all, like all these different places, FIT, and that really helped me understand my passion, my true calling for creativity, for art, and for fashion too. And, and growing up in Manhattan, um, I was able to really be exposed to different cultures and and different ways that people were dressing and expressing themselves. So I developed this passion for fashion as well. <laughs> passion for fashion. Um, and then in high school, I started the fashion club. And um, I participated in a few um, art-related events. I had my artwork published in a book. And I had it on the cover of a program, a few programs of some school events. And then my junior year of high school, I started my own jewelry company. It was an accidental business. Um, I made a ring for both me, myself, and my friend. And I posted on Instagram. Instagram was just a, a new thing back then. And it got a lot of engagement and a lot of people were placing informal orders. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should start to sell these started selling them, um, started to become very busy, very fast. And I then opened up a shop online, e-commerce, um, opened Etsy. And this also really helped me understand that I not only love fashion, but I also love business. I was a hustler. I loved entrepreneurship. So I really wanted to go to school to study business alongside with fashion. I found a school up in Poughkeepsie, um, not too far away from home, which is cool, but far enough that I was going to experience college and have that traditional, oh, like, let's go away to school and go in a dorm and this and that. So I ended up applying and, and, and then attending Marist College to study business. So I originally went there for a fashion merch, but then I found that I really liked product development. So I then um, started to learn a little bit more about product development. And things were starting to go well. Uh, I was a freshman and I was able to pitch and have my jewelry in their boutique on campus. This was not the normal thing for a freshman to do. So that was pretty cool. And then I actually got my jewelry into another school as well. There was like a little pop-up shop that we did there at Seton Hall. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to continue to pursue this. This is what I want to do after school. I want to start um, to grow this and expand. Um, I made sure I engaged myself in a lot of different internships in the fashion industry. I worked for Adriana Papel, Ben Sherman, uh, Haddad Brands, which is a licensing agency that works closely with Nike, Hurley, Jordan, Converse, and Levi's for children. And I also worked for an accessory, well, a pen company called Lamy. And with all these experiences, I, I really enjoyed, I started to realize that I, I really enjoyed making business deals and doing all these awesome things. But then my sophomore year of college, I was not feeling well. I didn't feel myself. I was very fatigued. I had this anxiety, rashes all over my body. I would wake up in night sweats. And then something really weird happened my second semester of my sophomore year. 
I was sitting in class one day and there was this huge lymph node the size of a golf ball that popped up above my collarbone. And I turned to my friend and I was like, what is this? Is this cancer? She's like, stop. Don't even say that. You are the healthiest person I know. That can't even be real. Stop joking. And I was like, okay, you're right. Um, I am super healthy. You know, I eat organic. I eat really good food all the time. I exercise every single day. I don't even drink. Like I don't, you know, I'm living this very healthy lifestyle. So I kind of brushed it on the table and then it was really worrying me. So um, a few days later, I actually went to the nurses on campus. We did some blood work tests. They thought maybe I had mono and we found out, nope, wasn't mono. It might just be an infection. You should probably go home and just get it checked out again. Like, okay. So I ended up going to a local ENT, um, ears, nose, and throat specialist back at home in Manhattan. And we did a few tests. Um, we did a, a nasal endoscopy. It's like they stick a camera up your nose and then they see what's going on in your, th- in your throat, your nose, your nostrils, everything, ears, nose, throat area. That sounds really painful <laughs> and unenjoyable. It was just a little uncomfortable. And then they didn't find anything there. We did some blood work, nothing. Like we did more intensive blood work. There was nothing. And then I had an MRI done. That was that was my uh, that was my first intense medical situation that I was placed under. Um, more intense than the, I guess, the nasal yeah. scope. Yeah. So, you know, if you've ever been in MRI before, they've- Yes. I've had a few, actually. Yeah. Like, I was, I never, I'm, I was claustrophobic a little bit too as well. I've gotten used to it, but I was, like, my whole entire head was placed in this contraption and it couldn't mm-hmm. move and it was very tight and- um, Yeah. They played Adele while I was getting mine, so I think it calmed me down, but- oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I had John Mayer. Um, okay yeah you know <laughs> and then um nothing showed up there so then I finally had a fine needle biopsy and that was negative too and it was like a mystery what is this lymph node the size of a golf ball doing on my neck <laughs> um so the summer came and then I completed an internship and I was supposed to be going abroad with my friends and my peers that following year and um I still didn't have a good feeling about what was happening to me on my neck and you were still experiencing like the night sweats anxiety all of that still but I didn't think anything of it honestly okay. like I thought oh maybe I'm just hot let me take off my sweater you know or and the doctor said oh the anxiety and the fatigue is because you're a college student so that's normal you know so I'm like okay fine sure okay And I went to go visit my aunt one weekend and she had thyroid cancer. She's like, you seriously just get that checked out one more time. I told my parents and I'm like, you know what? We'll get it checked out again. The last thing that we all like decided for me to do was to go under a surgery that I could have been paralyzed from or could have died from. If mm-hmm. it wasn't necessary. So going to my second ENT, um, I was told that that wasn't a normal thing that was on my neck. The size of it was abnormal. And for someone my age, that should not be there. So the next thing you know, a week later, I am going into surgery. And this was now the week before I was supposed to start school. I had to move everything in before my surgery. And then I had the surgery. I didn't know how intense it was going to be. Um, it was it was a very close call. It was in a very 
very scary place on my neck because if something were to go wrong, I could have actually been paralyzed. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. That's scary. I know. But thank God everything was, it went smoothly. It went well. And I remember waking up from that surgery and the first words I heard myself say out loud, is it out? Is it out? Like I was screaming because I think I subconsciously knew that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in the waiting room, um, very groggy, trying to recover from anesthesia. And, you know, I, I just, I didn't really know what was going on still. And I got a call. My parents gave me the phone, like, what is going on? Hello? Like, hey, this is your doctor. <laughs> My doctor wrote it. And I'm like, what's up, <laughs> Dr. G? No, I didn't really say that. I was just like, hi. <laughs> um, he's like, you know, your parents don't want me to tell you this, but you have the right to know that there is an 80% chance you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I, like, the whole room just, like, stopped. I, like, I, like, blacked out for a second. I'm like, is that cancer? And then he proceeded to tell me, yes, it is cancer, but um, it's a cancer that you want if you ever want to get cancer, this and that. And I'm like, all I'm hearing is cancer. And the that was the last thing I, I even thought that I had. I mean, yeah, I joked around about it in the beginning, but I, I never would have imagined that I was actually going to be diagnosed with cancer. And I remember also like looking around the room and I was the youngest person there. I'm like, how can you be telling me that I have cancer? I'm like, I'm only 19 years old. And I was, I was, I was frustrated and angry. And, and the first thing that I really thought of was, like, I'm going to die. I saw my grandfather battle cancer for years, and that's going to be me. I'm going to become that person who's going to be fighting for her life, seeing my life totally deteriorate in front of my eyes, and, like, die. And I'm like, I'm not ready to do that. I'm so young. Are you kidding me? Um, then I had to, of course, um, rest up from the surgery, and I had to wait a week for the pathology report to come back. A week later, the results concluded yep I had to start chemotherapy right away and I was just like not having it at all this is not possible this is not what I'm supposed to be doing um I'm supposed to be continuing my education I'm supposed to have this whole entire my whole entire life was planned out before my eyes it's not fair right um so then um I knew that the best thing for me to do after going to doctors every single day for three weeks straight before I began chemo, I was like, I need to take off for school for a year. I need to take a leave of absence. And thank God I did because chemotherapy hit me very, very hard. And I, I honestly didn't know what chemotherapy was in the beginning. I I really thought you just like go into get your infusion and you're fine after. Yeah. What exactly goes into it? Yeah, it's a very long process. Um, I know it takes four hours because my uncle, he also recently battled with cancer. And I think it was like four to six hour process like every single time. Yeah, the infusion is four to six hours. Yeah. On my infusion, the first time was I think five or like I was there like the whole entire day because it was my first one. So they were a little – it was a little more intense. But let's just backtrack it. So I get my report back, and now here I am in this space where I have to figure out where I'm going to receive treatment. So I had to go to all these different oncologists, continue to still get blood work. Then they're telling me, 
oh, by the way, you have a really high chance of also not being able to conceive when you're older. So you have to go get your eggs retrieved. So I'm like, great. Now I have to deal with this too. So I had to go to a bunch of different fertility specialists, um, give myself shots in the beginning for like two weeks or I think I believe it was two weeks to get my eggs retrieved. But like now I still have eggs. I'm all good. Like they didn't all go away, but now I have some eggs reserved just in case something bad wanted to happen. I'm very grateful and thankful for because a lot of young females who undergo treatment end up actually losing their eggs and they become infertile from treatment because the chemotherapy just kills everything. Um, So then I had to do that which was very intense, go to the doctor every single day, get an ultrasound. It was just like so intense for like a little 19-year-old girl to handle. And then I had to get a port placed into my body. And the port is something that was going to help me receive chemotherapy, give me the ability to actually get the treatment to save my life. Um, So at first we had my port placed into my arm, but it was, they hit a central nerves causing extreme nerve damage. So I had to get it taken out and then put it placed into my chest. So within the span of like a month, I had like five different procedures and was cut open so many times. And like, it was just so intense, but everything worked out at the end. And then um, just a few days after I uh, turned 20, that's when I started chemotherapy. And then the first chemo, it was, it was a long infusion um, so you're given a boatload of anti-nausea medication, and then you you they start to give you the chemo. So I was given an injection. It was like the first one was like an hour long like injection or like 15 minute long injection into the port, and then there were two other that proceeded, and the last one was an hour drip of the last drug. So I had four different drugs in my cocktail. Halfway through my first treatment, I actually couldn't feel my heart anymore like I couldn't feel my body I felt my heart beating slower and slower I couldn't feel my legs like I couldn't feel my body and I'm like I I, I'm like I think I'm dying like is that supposed to happen no (laughs) no (laughs) but my body just did not react well to it at all also because I'm just like healthy person my whole entire life like never did drugs, never took medicine. Like he had a medicine. If I had a headache, I would just drink loads of water and have some chocolate. Like that That's was how I am. I don't do ibuprofen. I don't do Tylenol. When I have a headache, I just I'm like, I'll go to bed eventually and then yeah. I'll sleep it off. So when my body was hit with this mini atomic bomb, because that's what my chemotherapy was it, it, that's what they used. Like they found my cocktail like during a war like I think rats had cancer or something and the rats were exposed to this atomic bomb and the cancer and I, something like that I have I have to um look at the notes that my oncologist gave me but it just was not reacting well with me and um then after I was I felt like I was hit by a bus for a week and like super nauseous super fatigued and then the second one came. That was two weeks later. So they can't give you, for my specific regimen, they had to do it every other week. Um, if they did it more often, like it would actually kill me. So I went in two weeks later to get my second treatment. And that's when my hair started to fall out. 
then I had to start to shave my hair. And that's in my life, honestly, completely changed. Um, I, like I, I saw my, my body transform before my eyes and my, like, I felt it too. I felt it like slowly deteriorating. And then halfway through treatment, two months in after having four infusions, I had scans again and everything came back like, yep, yeah, you're in remission, but you have to still continue treatment for another two months just in case there's still some cancer in your body. I'm like, you kidding me? And this is when I had the hardest time because here I am. I can't see this disease in my body, but I have to keep killing myself because of just in case there's something in there. So that was very hard. And this is when I started to really hone in on um, scripture. I started to listen to a lot of different sermons, listen to positive videos on mindset on YouTube podcasts about mindset yeah I'm really into that too what what are some of your favorites I really got into pastor TJ so he's just a pastor okay so he's someone that really helped me during this time I also love Lior Alexandra I found her during this time as well and there was another person that she had in her some of her episodes called Aaron Dowdy they're like young they're like us Young. Yeah, no, I, I like that though because I think the pastors I or I tend to listen to are I'm not sure if you know who he is, but his name's like Judah Smith or Mike Todd. I've heard of Mike Todd. Okay, I really like him. So yeah, and then um, I, like I listen to new stuff now. I still listen to TD Jakes a little bit, but now I like to listen to Vu Church. I love them. Yeah, that, I love I them. Them during treatment. Okay, you just found them recently. I think they have been, I guess, become more popular mm-hmm. in the recent months. Joyce Meyer was another one who I listened to. You know who's so good? Just like a, a spiritual coach, I guess we can call her. Mm-hmm. Abraham Hicks or, or Esther Hicks. Abraham, you know. Oh, I've never heard of her. Yeah, so check them out. I think it's either Esther talks to Abraham, which is like, a spirit but she's super helpful or they are super helpful they're like a team and then a few of the other people who I found were to be very helpful Oprah super soul Sunday like she saved Oprah me. is great I love she that woman saved me she's in my book too <laughs> and there was a book called kitchen table wisdom that I really enjoyed there's another book that I enjoyed by Miriam Williamson. It's called Everyday Grace. And then she introduced me also to a book called The Course in Miracles, which I purchased after chemo. And then some of the other people who are very influential during this time were some health gurus or like health podcasts. Like My mm-hmm. Morning Green was very helpful. Do you know I love them. Name? Yes. Yes. I follow their Instagram account and everything. Same here. And these don't have to, I guess, pertain exactly to like what I listened to during chemo. And just what I've found to be very inspirational and helpful to me. The Mimi B podcast. Ed Milet. Ed Milet is actually, he's so great. My best friend is obsessed with him and I love him too. He is awesome. Dr. Joe Dispenza, another one who I'm obsessed oh, with. Okay. Have you heard of Dr. Amen? He's a brain doctor. Oh, and a Dr. Hyman? No. No, no, uh, Dr. Amen. Like it's like Amen, like you say in church. No. 
he's um a really really famous doctor i'm reading his book right now but it's called change your brain change your life and he oh my gosh stop it i have that in my ebook on my phone like my oh yes it's like so amazing it's my next one on my list oh yeah no i'm like only i think 80 pages in and it's so incredibly amazing and now i like want to go get my brain checked out from him and be like how can i make it better um yeah but dr joe dispenza is super good with that with the brain stuff and like he's all into like the placebo effect and and how your thoughts create a reality um something else that i started to do every single day was read a book or devotional called jesus calling calling i know i want to get that so badly so good yes i actually started it up again recently i took a break from it because i just forgot and I started to notice I had so much anxiety. I didn't understand why. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have Christ in my life right now. So I started to read it again and I feel very at peace, <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah, so there were just so many different tools that really helped me get through this time. And then finally, when treatment was over, um, I wanted to, you know, jump back into life again. But it's probably hard to because you, your world was just rocked for the past year. It was the most difficult thing, honestly. I'm actually in the middle of writing something for Team Cancer America um, for one of their posts right now on like reclaiming my wellness after chemo and just looking back on everything, I just can't believe how far I came just where I am now. It's been about two years five months since i've been on treatment almost two and a half years which is insane and i'm like that's so exciting but like in the beginning like my body just did not heal correctly well not that it didn't heal correctly it just took a long time for me to heal and what i really did not understand was that the body takes a year for it to rejuvenate itself Oh, for all the like cells to kind of renew and everything. And I thought that I was just going to jump back because I never dealt with anything like this before. And every single time I thought that I was okay, I would just feel like I got hit by a truck. And there was this huge process that just kept going. It was like a circle. Like, oh, I'm having a good day. Let me try to go on a, a walk that's a little longer than normal. And um, I'm going to be fine. No, you're going to be in bed for like two days now because your body can't handle it and then just I just kept going through this cycle because I wanted to be back to normal and I kept comparing myself to other people it was really really difficult for me to accept that okay like you don't look the same now you have like your hair is finally coming back a little bit you have a little tiny little pixie cut you have all these scars in your body you still have your port in I still have my huge port in my chest like I was super insecure about that too and Um, It wasn't until I just really stopped looking at other people and stopped caring about what other people thought that I was actually able to heal and to get back Mm -hmm. to some sort of normal. Because I think they also say when you're so consumed and stressed out and in that state, then your body is kind of like in a fight or flight mode and and it can't heal. Yeah, I was kind of in that mode and there was a lot of different stress. So it was the stress of me recovering and then also the stress of me deciding what am I doing with school I don't feel well enough to even go back do I even go back to school like what am I what's going on with my life 
I decided to apply to some local colleges. And I actually decided to then attend Fordham after, like, I got accepted after applying only because I was about to go there. So, really? it, yes, it's a beautiful campus. So, I toured it and everything. I love it. And the only reason why I, I really and truly went back to school was because of Fordham. There was some spirit there that was just so welcoming and loving. And it just made me feel so at home that I made the decision, you know what? I don't know anyone here. I don't even know who I am right now. Like, I don't know who, like, what is going on in my life. It hasn't even been a year out of chemo at this point. My hair is super short. I feel super insecure. I can't go out. I know I can't go out and be a normal college kid. I'm going to have to stay in all the time and, and like sleep early because my body physically can't handle like anything. Uh, but I'm going to come here. This is where I'm meant to be. And then I made a decision that summer after like acceptance students day that I was going to attend Fordham, um, which was really hard because I felt as if I was leaving this Marist family behind in Poughkeepsie. And it kind of, it was heartbreaking. Like I wasn't ready to do that. Um, but it's funny because because you you had all your friends back yeah. at your college before yeah and like I felt like I didn't want people like judging me or I didn't want to lose friends or this or that I I just like wasn't comfortable with leaving that life behind but that ends up being like the best thing that's going to happen for me and like I knew too that I had to start this new chapter of life in a different environment like if I didn't do this then I didn't feel like I was going to grow in the way that I needed to. So I took on the challenge and I transferred. And then during this time, I kept recalling and having so many dreams of me writing a book or, or going out and speaking about what I've just went through. And I didn't know where this was coming from. And like this idea would not leave my head. And I I actually had a few moments of this same exact thing that happened to me either when a little bit when I was going through treatment or after treatment. There was this one day in particular that was really, really prominent in me making the decision to write a book actually. I had a dream of me speaking in front of a large crowd. I had a long hair too, talking about my journey. And then... That same day, like after I woke up, I took a shower and after I got out of the shower, the numbers 777 were written on my mirror. And I'm like, what is going on here? I called my mom and I'm like, did you, did you come in here and do this? Like, did I not hear you? She's like, no. And then my friend who was sleeping- like written in the fog in the mirror. Yeah. And then my friend who was sleeping over had also just taken a shower. I'm like, I'm like, Dominica, did you do something in here? She's like, no, I didn't touch the mirror. Like, this is so strange. So then I looked up what 777 meant, and supposedly it was my guardian angels communicating with me that I'm on the right path. So, um, and this was actually... That's so cool. This was the same day as St. Baldrick's Day, too. So I was actually on my way to an event to go watch people shave off their hair to raise money for cancer awareness. So how weird did this all work out? I know. It's like destiny is like staring you right in the face and being like, you're good. Mm-hmm. And Keep on going. Yeah. And then I had some other experiences like this too, where I would see dimes and pennies and coins or like butterflies, ladybugs. So I just like knew if I kept having these thoughts, I had to do something about it. So I prayed on it. And then I would always journal. 
and there was this one day that I went on my phone to check something and um, there was this company called Luna Peak Company that just posted something on their story, which I never see. It just happened to pop up saying that they were going to be flying into New York to do a photo shoot for cancer survivors. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is this? And they're like, oh, are you a cancer survivor? I'm like, yes, I am. I'm a recent cancer survivor. And they said that they were doing their last photo shoot for their book with over, well, it was about 100, but it was was a little over 100, I think, at the end. Um, Cancer survivors from all walks of life tell um, them about their story and their audience about their story, or about, like, our stories. Um, So I'm like, oh, okay, let me think about it. So I thought about it. I'm like, okay, this is the one thing that's going to give me the opportunity to talk about my journey. Let me just do it. Let me fight those fears. What do I have to lose? I kept thinking to myself, if this is my last day on earth, what would I want to give back to the world or what would I want to leave here? And I would want to be someone inspiring. You know, if someone was going through the same thing that I was going through, let me be that light for them. Something that I never had. So I ended up doing the photo shoot. I had this interview with them um, and I was so into it and I felt so vibrant. I'm like, wait, I need to talk about this more. And then I ended up meeting so many other young adults who published books and I knew that there was a possibility for me to do this. So I, um, I asked someone who I met like who their publisher was. I got a meeting with them and then I just began my book writing journey and the rest is history. That's amazing. Yeah. So what does your book really, I know it's called Power to Persevere, mm-hmm. but is it about your whole cancer um, journey or is it kind of more just like a motivational book kind of referencing your journey and then also other people's journeys as well? Exactly. So it's actually kind of both of those. So I talk about my journey throughout the book. Every single chapter has some little snippet from my journey and then a lesson too so every chapter is also a lesson there's a little story of mine then there's a little section called story time where I talk about someone else's journey that kind of corresponds to the theme of that chapter and my story that I wrote in there and then there's also an action plan that you can take and a little point of reflection. So I ask questions at the end of each chapter that you can just check in with yourself. So it's like more of an interactive one. Kind of. I guess. I like that too. Because a lot of books, I think, they just kind of like preach. Mm -hmm. But then you can't really – Yeah. I don't know. Some people, I guess, have a harder time reflecting on their own life. So I think that's important. Yeah. So so like I said before, like I wanted to create something that I never had. And then at the end of the book, too, I have a little section, like a journal section. So if you wanted to write and author your own story at the end, you can do that. So like, I believe that everyone has the ability to reframe and restructure their life. You know, like we're all given challenges, but it's our viewpoint. It's our perspective that we have that's really going to help us shift and persevere at the end. So, you know, you could go down two routes. You can go down the route of, okay... I'm going to become a victim to this or, okay, I'm going to use this as a lesson to help me with any other challenging moment that's going to happen in my life. And that's literally what cancer has done with me. Like any single time I'm faced with something, I'm like, no, I got this. I can do this. If I did X, Y, and Z, I can do this. This is, this is only here to teach me a lesson. 
And it's like when you have that mindset and you can reframe everything in such an eloquent way, then life becomes so pleasant. Um, not saying that like my life is perfect or anything. Like I literally still have my days. Mm-hmm. Um, we all do yeah. that. So, but it's just like, you know, life is not perfect at all. Like we're all going to be experiencing some type of trial or tribulation, but it's just very important for us to, to develop these habits that will help us kind of handle it in a, in a better way. No, I like that you said that, you know, we all need to kind of shift our perspective because like I also like have, I mean, we as humans, we all face different like trials and struggles, but like even for me these past four years, like I've dealt with like a lot of like anxiety, depression, and then like I had a really bad concussion too that lasted like a year. Oh my So I had a concussion right when I transferred to Fordham. Oh, really? Aren't they the worst? (laughs) Yeah. I know. I was like a disaster and a half. Yeah, no, trust me. I it was 2018. 2018 was a blur. <laughs> Same. Yeah, that was my year where everything just kind of yeah. hit the fan for me in life and yeah, I I get that. But I think it's so easy to kind of be like, "Whoa, is me? Why is this happening?" And then sometimes I'm like, I kind of blame God for it. Like, I'm like, "Why did he do that?" But then I realize, you know, it's not him. It's just kind of like we have free will and then like things happen, but only good things come from him and trying to like reframe my mindset to remind myself of that. So even when I was going through chemo, like there were so many days that I literally could not get out of bed. There were days that I had to literally crawl on the floor to get from point A to B. That's how weak it was. Mm -hmm. And I just said, you know what, like this is a time like clearly – I can't do this, but what what am I going to do? I'm going to hone in on things that I love. I'm going to go paint. I'm going to go read things that are going to make my mind flourish. I'm going to go call that person that I haven't spoken to in a while. I'm going to do things for me. I'm going to start living for myself. I think it's really important to also do that as well whenever you're going through something. So you have gone through all of these things, and I know – you're only 22, so you probably feel much older or mm-hmm. mature than the average 22-year-old. Yeah. So where do you see yourself in five years oh. from now after going through all of this? You know, I just see myself continuing to inspire others. I feel like that's what I'm supposed to be doing here on earth. Like I think that's what my soul has committed to. I think my soul needs to help other people whether it's through mindset or whether it's to help them reclaim their life in some sort of way. Um, But overall, I believe that I will be helping others. And who knows? Maybe I'll have a second book out or um, I'll continue my jewelry. We'll just see where life decides to take me. But I'm planting my seeds and I'm seeing where things want to grow and flourish. No, I love that. Yeah, because I think especially sometimes we put like such harsh restrictions on like what we're supposed to do in life. Mm -hmm. And then I think as long as you have like a mission and follow that, like whatever follows within that kind of mission that you have, then that's what you're supposed to do. Because for me, I always kind of say, okay, by this age, I should do this. And by this age, I should do this. And then you freak out when it doesn't happen. But obviously – 
as we were like talking like nothing happens as you think it will so i feel like time is like an illusion in some sort of respect and yeah you know if you were to ask me five years ago what i would do in five years i would have been like oh i am doing something completely different than i'm doing right now like i i I don't even know what i would have said like fashion i'm in the fashion industry now who like who knows where life is going to want to take me? I just feel like yeah, you're always given something in life where you're going to have to learn how to pivot. We're mm-hmm. always pivoting. So if we're going to have this strict mind frame and mindset, I feel like that causes more pressure, more anxiety. And maybe if something doesn't work out for you, that is a blessing in disguise. Like because I was given this whole entire health crisis – I was actually able to find myself. I was able to hone in on who I really am, to be more patient, to learn about patience, to learn about empathy, to learn about respect for myself and like to other people. I mean, I've always respect other people, but just like to like a different extent where, you know, if someone's yeah. like having, you get a whole new perspective. Yeah, like if someone's having a bad day or is treating you poorly, like don't take it personal. Just like be gracious and just forgive forgive you know um so it's taught me so many different things and like this allowed me to write a book and now I've Mm -hmm. featured on so many different podcasts on yeah now we're here talking like I guarantee you we wouldn't have like really connected if like this happened exactly I like connected so many awesome people from this too and like we'll just see where life wants to take me next Awesome. I have one last question for you. And I guess that would be, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to someone who is just struggling with their health or just struggling to some extent in their life? What would you tell them? You're not the only one. Despite the fact that you think that you are, you're really not. Um, There's so many other people out there who are also going through a similar experience And I feel like all you really need to do is seek help. And when you seek that help, then you'll be put into contact with someone who is going to help inspire you or put you on to the next step that's going to help heal you. Um, So something that I did was I went online on Facebook and I joined some chemotherapy groups. I didn't know what to do at this point. Like I was suffering so much. Like the doctors weren't helping me. Like no one could relate to me. So I tried to look for like some young adult um, female cancer groups. And I actually ended up meeting a few gals who were from my tri-state area. We all met up for brunch one day and we all just finished treatment. It was so refreshing to have that, you know, like I didn't know that there were other people going out or going through an experience like this. But because I put myself out there and tried to find resources, that was that help was given to me. Mm-hmm. Or even if you just like have a conversation with someone one day and you just start to open up a little bit about what you're going through and become vulnerable, you'll be surprised. Like they'll say something back that is very relatable too. And they'll say, hey, oh, I'm actually going through that as well. Um, when I published my book, I had so many friends and people who I didn't even know, like calling me and telling me their whole entire life story. I'm like, wow, I had no idea. So there's something very beautiful about sharing stories, becoming vulnerable, owning 
who you are in your battle. Mm-hmm. I think community is just so important. Mm-hmm. I think we forget about it so often, yeah. especially like, you know, during this time when everything is on the internet and we can't actually meet in person. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and everything that you've done is just so incredible. Thank you. This was so fun. I know this was fun. Yeah. So where can people find you and where can they get your book and all of that good stuff? So you can find me on Instagram, Alexa, C-U-C. So A-L-E-X-A-C-U-C. And I'll tag that in the show notes below. Thanks. Uh, Short for Kupiata, which is my last name, but it's uh, a little difficult to spell. So I just call it my C-U-C. Are you Italian? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um. I've been dabbling a little bit with YouTube, so you can just search me on there. I have a Twitter too, TikTok. I mean, you can just like kind of find me anywhere, <laughs> um, but I mainly just use Instagram, and then you can purchase my book on Amazon. Perfect. Yeah, I have to make sure to buy your book. That's what I'm going to do after this. Great. I'm excited to give it a little read. So that is the episode that I have for you guys this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed talking to her. And be sure to follow Alexa on all of the socials. I'll link them down in the show notes below. And also, most important, please pick up Power to Persevere. You can buy it on Amazon and I'll make sure to post that link as well. And if you could give me a review, I would greatly appreciate it. Give me five stars. Show me some love. Follow me on the Insta. I'll also post that in the show notes below. But other than that, everyone, have a beautiful, beautiful week. And be sure to tune in next week for another great episode of It Ain't It, Sis. Bye, guys, and kisses.